Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good, good. That's great. I, my name is Bonnie. I am the pastor for Chi Alpha. I'm so excited to see all of you and see so many new faces. We've been meeting um, in the summer in here every week, and it's a small group of us because it's summertime. And every week we have a countdown, three more weeks until everybody gets here, and two more weeks, and now, now it's the week. So we're very, very excited that you guys are all here. I'm sure it's a lot of information coming to you all at once, but uh, I promise that uh, stick with it. It'll become clear. We don't always do a million events in one week, so just enjoy that while we can. Um, like they said, the people in the red name tags are all of the small group leaders, and they're really the heroes of Chi Alpha. They're the reason that all of this happens, and they've been working so hard this week, moving heavy stuff, um, getting random texts from me asking to meet me right now and move heavy stuff. And they've been just doing such an amazing job. So you guys, uh, you guys picked a big group to, to come and try out. So my first day of Georgetown was a little while ago, and it started with a 9 a.m. intensive intermediate Spanish class. And at 9.50 a.m., I quickly determined that I would not be taking intensive intermediate Spanish. Um, so then, immediately after class, I went on my access and tried to find the only available introductory Spanish class that I could get into, which was happening in about five minutes. So I ran to class, I sat down, already feeling a little bit like a failure, and then the professor walks in, and she starts talking really, really fast. And I'm from a Mexican family, so I grew up around Spanish. I have no idea what she's saying, so I'm feeling very, very stupid right now, and like I made a terrible mistake. And after four minutes of talking so fast, she stops and looks at the class and asks if this is advanced Portuguese. <laughs> like, no. It's not. And then our, our other professor came in, and she was super kind and spoke in English for the first half of the class, so things rebounded a bit. But it was not the best start to my college experience. I Dropping a class five minutes into my college career was not, uh, was not how I envisioned Georgetown starting. And I was walking back to my dorm in Harbin. Any Harbin, Harbin people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was walking back to Harbin a little defeated, when this guy offered me a snow cone, and normally out of context, that sounds really creepy, and the thing <laughs> your parents hopefully warned you about before they dropped you off not to take snow cones from strangers. But in this case, he was offering me a snow cone, and he was inviting me to come to Chi Alpha, which was happening that night. And so I came, and it was happening in the basement of this room, or of this building and there's five other students who showed up. And I tell all this story because I felt so much pressure when I first got to Georgetown to prove myself. I wanted to prove to my roommate that I didn't lie on my charms application, that I really was that person who went to bed early and woke up early and was just pretty cool about everything. And I felt a lot of pressure to do well in my classes and to be that person that I was in high school. And I remembered in that moment, looking back a few months before, when I'd gotten my acceptance letter to college. And for me, where I grew up in South Texas, 
uh, people typically didn't go to college. There's a lot of poverty where I'm from, and I was first in my family to go to college, and I saw this letter from Georgetown in the small envelopes, by the way, which I don't know why they're the only college that sends the small envelopes. But I remember reading it and thinking that this was an invitation of a lifetime, that this was my golden ticket. And I tell you this story because the best decision that I made my first day of class was not dropping Spanish and taking an, an easier class or refreshing myself on the basics, as I think people who drop into easier language classes tell themselves. But rather, the best thing that I did that day was accept the invitation to come to Chi Alpha and see what it was all about. And that was seven years ago. So now I'm the, the pastor for Chi Alpha, and I can trace it back to that single invitation. So why are you guys here? I don't know why you guys are all here, but I'm very, very glad that you're here. And I can tell you with certainty, you guys are in the right place because Chi Alpha has been a group that has changed my life. Maybe your roommate dragged you along because she said there would be Sundays and board games after. You're a little worded out right now, but too polite to leave. There will be Sundays and board games after. Maybe you were moved in by one of our student leaders and felt that it would be polite to come for a week and check it out. Say two weeks would be the, the standard politeness for moving you guys in. If you're here today and thinking, wow, there are a lot of people I don't know, and it seems like a lot of people know one another, I can promise you this, that if you decide Chi Alpha is for you, plug in quickly, get involved, and very quickly, this crowd will feel like a family. How many people who are in Chi Alpha can attest that that's true? There we go. Not about a big crowd here, we're about a big family, and we really just want to welcome you if you're new. We want to get to know you, and we really want to make you feel like you're a part of this family. We love Jesus, we like to have fun, and we really, really enjoy being together. So we're very, very glad that you're here. This semester, we are going to be going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're doing a sermon series called Sinking with Christ, and that's going to start next week. But this week, I want to preach a message that I think is of crucial importance. And we're going to do a message that I believe will put the foundational building blocks in place for us to start this year. And it's a message where we're going to look over the shoulder of a few men who received an invitation that completely transformed their lives. So every friendship in this room, every relationship, it always starts with an invitation. I venture to say most of you guys are here because someone invited you, whether they were a stranger or whether they were your roommate or whether they were one of your friends. Most of you guys are here because somebody invited you. And it all started for each of us with an invitation. And as you have seen or will see very quickly at SAC Fair this weekend, that invitations on campus are sometimes plentiful and sometimes they are rare and sometimes they require talent or skill or tryouts or resumes or they require you to be cool or likable but every so often I think we all come across these invitations that we look at them and we think hmm this one's different this is an opportunity of a lifetime this is an invitation of a lifetime and the opportunity that we're going to talk about today 
it's not one of those opportunities that you'll get walking around SAC Fair. There's a lot of things during my time at Georgetown that I thought were really big deal and were really, had the power to really change my life. And I look back and see like, well, not so much. I don't think my life would have been very different without those things. But what we're gonna talk about today is quite possibly the most inv important invitation that you will ever get. So we're gonna open our Bibles, if you have one, to Mark chapter one. If you don't have one, we have the Bible on PowerPoint tonight, which is convenient. Mark um, in the New Testament, second book in the New Testament. And we're going to look at three aspects of an invitation that's given in this passage. And they're gonna be the three foundations of our fellowship. So basically, the three things that we're gonna talk about are gonna involve how do we follow Jesus here and what are the things that we value the most in Chi Alpha. And here's what I believe about this. I believe that if we embrace these three foundations, these three invitations, these things that scripture lay, lay out, then it doesn't matter if we're here at Georgetown, it doesn't matter if we're in Vietnam, it doesn't matter if we're a freshman or studying abroad or an alumni 10 years from now with a family. I believe that if we make these three foundations a significant part of our lives, then we will thrive with our walk, in our walks with God. So we're gonna start in verse 14, and it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is saying this. He's saying the hope of the entire Old Testament is getting ready to be fulfilled. And this passage is a very, it's a culminating place in scripture where everything's about to change. In verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. These men got the invitation of a lifetime. So let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll get into that. God, thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, that we have here at Georgetown. This opportunity to be together, to talk about you freely, not in fear of persecution. I just pray that tonight that my words would be few and your words would be many and that you would just speak to us through your word tonight. In your name we pray, amen. Also, I forgot to mention at the beginning, you can text in any questions that you might have. This is something we do every week and then at the end, depending on how long I go, uh, we usually answer one, two, or three of the questions. So the number will be up on the screen right there. So if you saw that while I was preaching and were confused, that's what that's there for. So there are three invitations. As my friend Pete Bulette calls them, these three anchors that we base our faith on. And the first one that we're gonna touch on is this. It comes from the part in scripture where Jesus says, come follow me. Right here, the first invitation is into a real devotional life. 
Jesus gives these fishermen the opportunity to follow him, and when he does that, he's inviting them into a real, living, breathing relationship with him. And this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the man who takes this little kid's lunch and feeds 5,000 people. This is the man who casts out demons. This is the man who can touch a man with leprosy who hasn't been touched in years and heal him on the spot. This is the one who cast out demons. This is the one who would ultimately go to the cross, die for the sins of the world, and then rise again. This is the Jesus that they were talking about. This is the Jesus that is inviting them into a real relationship with them. And we see in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, that there is nothing about Jesus' physical appearance that would attract him to us. And yet, something that we see in Scripture is that he was so joyful. There was something so joyful about him that the kids would flock to him. And I think we know kids to be pretty good judges of character. There was something so gentle and compassionate about him that the lame and the weak were drawn to him. Yet there was something so commanding and authoritative from him that these men were willing to drop everything that they had to follow him. He was so human, yet so divine. And everyone was drawn to Jesus, yet the wicked hated him. There's this great quote by Dorothy Sayers, and it says this. It says, The people who, who killed Christ never, to do them justice, accused him of being a bore. On the contrary, they thought him too dynamic to be safe. It has been left for later generations to muffle up that shattering personality and surround him with an atmosphere of tedium. We have effectively and efficiently pared the claws of the Lion of Judah, certified him meek and mild, and recommended him as fitting household pet for pale priests and pious old ladies. What she's saying here is this Jesus that we're talking about is radical. He's powerful, and there's no one in the entire world who has ever been like him. Holy, yet approachable. Authoritative, yet humble. And this is the Jesus who invited the disciples and who is inviting you into a real devotional life with him. And I think something that we'll struggle to hear a lot at Georgetown is this idea that Jesus wants a relationship with us more than he wants results from us. And I think in a campus that is very, very results-driven, that whole concept is countercultural, and it's really hard to understand. And Jesus, he asked these fishermen to become fishers of men. And I think that there's something really beautiful and poetic about that, the way that he uses their old life to call them into a new one. And these disciples, they dropped their net, they gave up their security, their everything, their identity, their liveliness to follow Jesus. And they did it because they knew one thing. They knew that if they were going to follow Jesus, that it would require all of them, that they couldn't just add them, him to a part of their lives. And something else that's beautiful about this is he doesn't call off into the crowd from the shore, but instead he calls them individually. He's not calling anonymous people, but he's calling them individually. And I think something to keep in mind, whether you're at the beginning of your journey here, or in the middle, or nearing the end, is that if we try to squeeze Jesus in somewhere between government reading and econ exams, 
then we will never have the time. If we try to add Jesus into various places, we will never end up having the time for him. This is something that we can't just add, but we have to give our whole loyalty to, all that we are for all that he is. But this comes with a promise. We see it in scripture that if we're willing to put aside our ambitions and truly follow him, that he will do exactly what he says he will do. He will transform our lives. And I've seen that happen in my life. I've seen it happen time and time again with the people in this ministry. And I'll talk about some of them later. So that's, that's what does he say in that passage? He says, come follow me and I will make you. He will transform us. And that's what he does. So the first question that I want to ask, rhetorical question, is will you respond to his invitation of devotion and live a life of real devotion with him? And I think there's something interesting about the with him. I think it's easy for me to fall into the doing things for God and forgetting that we do things with God. That it's not on our shoulders, but we do things with a God who's right by our side. I think there's something really beautiful to that. The second invitation that he gives is this. It's an invitation into real community. It's interesting to me that he calls four of them at the same time. And I think there's something profound about that. This idea that we follow Jesus, that we respond to Jesus individually, but we follow him corporately as a family. And I would really challenge us all to find anyone in the Bible who lives out this call to follow Jesus and does it alone, unless they're in prison. It's just not something that we see. The Christian faith is a very, very corporate faith. I remember when I was freshman and sophomore in Chi Alpha, I was very, I came to our service, it was called midweek at the time, because it happened in the middle of the week. We're super creative on that. And I was in a, a life group because I thought that that's, that's just what a good Christian did. But I never, I never did anything else outside of that. I had in my mind this very, it's just me and Jesus mentality. Haley was actually in Chi Alpha with me. She can attest that I never hung out with her that much. Sorry. Sorry, Haley. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and it wasn't until I studied abroad in Vietnam my junior year and I went to Vietnam and I had all of these great plans for what was gonna happen while I was there. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't surrounded by any community that I knew. I didn't meet a single Christian the entire time I was abroad. And it was the first time I realized that, yes, on a very fundamental level, your relationship is, with Jesus is the most important thing, it was also the first time that I realized what a gift community was, and it took me completely losing that to come back to Georgetown and realize what I needed to do and how living out life, living out this relationship Jesus with people was significantly better than doing it by myself. So we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but we live this out in community. And community is the place where we really learn how to follow Jesus. There's a saying that we say a lot in Chi Alpha, show me the five people that you spend the most time with and I'll show you who you'll be in five years. 
And it's this idea that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. And I think that this isn't a bad place for that. This is a place where we learn how to wash each other's feet, metaphorically. This is a place where we learn to be generous, where we learn over and over again to forgive. This is a place where we really learn how to live out this life that God has called us to. And that's one of the reasons that I love life groups. And while we won't show that video every week, but we will talk about life groups every week until everybody is in one. And it's because this is where you learn. <laughs> you think we're joking. <laughs> Not. Um, this is where we learn to serve, to love, to care. And this shouldn't, this is a place where we can take off that mask that we so often put on at Georgetown that our lives are completely together and just be real. So I'm training for a triathlon. It's happening next week. Very excited about it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and how many of you guys know when you're training for something, it's always better to have a workout buddy? Yes? Is that me? Okay, yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, so workout buddies, they do two things for me. The first thing that they do for me is ensure that I actually show up to the gym. So Mary can attest, I have this bad habit of scheduling really early morning workouts and swims because in my mind I think it'll be great, I will get out of bed early and then just start the day early. And then 2 a.m. rolls around and I'm still watching the office at home. And But like, so this past week, Mary and I met at 7 a.m. to go swimming. And I wanted so badly as I was lying in bed thinking about my poor life choices not to show up. And then I realized that Mary would be really sad and I would just leave her there hanging if I just didn't show up to her morning workout. So that's one thing that workouts buddies do for me is they actually get me to show up to things. And the other thing a workout partner does is they ensure that you would do more than you would have done without a workout partner. So Maddie, who's running the triathlon with me, we, uh, we decided this summer we were a little behind on our bike training. So we decided to continue our tradition of every four years biking to West Virginia. Fairly cold turkey. Um, so when you, here's what, here's what the workout, here's what Maddie did for me. Is when you're on mile 15 and when you're on mile 30, you think that you cannot possibly bike anymore. It's that workout buddy that keeps pushing you and pushing you and pushing you until you're finally at the end, until you finally make it to mile 60. And that is what a workout partner is supposed to do. They're supposed to spur you on. They're supposed to help you reach this potential that you probably would not reach on your own. And I think the fact is that we all need spiritual workout buddies. We all need people that will spur us on, that will encourage us. We need people, we need a community that is going in the same direction that we want to go, that is going on the same journey with the same destination that we want to be on, so that we can encourage each other and push each other on in that direction. So not to scare anybody here, but this summer was the summer of Chi Alpha weddings and engagements. Yeah, Joelle, where's Joelle? Joelle got engaged this summer <laughs> on graduation day to Kim, who I'm about to tell a story about. Lauren and Felix got married in, in uh, Michigan. They met in Chi Alpha, fun fact. Um, and then one of my friends and my first life group buddy, 
Joanne got married in the Dominican Republic. And as I was at these weddings, what I saw was very interesting in that when the bride and the groom were standing up at the altar, if you looked on both sides of them, I saw their life groups standing with them. Their maids of honor, their bridesmaids, their groomsmen, their best man, were the people that were in their life group. So I have a little picture that I want to show you. So this is a picture of us in DR a, couple, or a week ago. And if you look at all of the women in that picture, the thing that we all have in common is that we were all in small group together. Some of us were in a small group together five years ago now, and some of us just this past year. But these, this life group was full of people who were committed to each other, not just once a week, but committed to going through life together. And I will never forget Kim's maid of honor speech. She, Kim is the one with the white skirt and the black, the one next to me, next to the bride. That's an easy way to put it. Kim's next to the bride. And I'll never forget her maid of honor speech. She stood up there. This is somebody who flew across the world to be at her best friend's wedding. And she said that if it wasn't for Joanne, I would not know who Jesus was. And that is the greatest gift that she has ever given me. And that's why I believe in life groups, because we see this same thing play out over and over again. It's not something that's pragmatic. It's something that Jesus teaches us in Scripture, to live, live this life with one another, because we come to Jesus individually, but we follow him corporately. So the second question is this, will you make Christ-centered brotherhood and sisterhood a priority in your life? Because if you do, it will lay the foundation and it will bless you for years to come. So the third invitation, and I'll be, I'll be brief with this one, is this, that Jesus invites us all into real responsibility. So let's look back at what he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, come follow me and we'll do this life together. And as another translation says, I will show you how to fish for people. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. That you are not the end of the mission. That Jesus wants you off the bench and he wants you in the game. And I believe that God has strategically placed each of you here for a specific purpose. So if you're living in Harbin, it's not just so you could have the best freshman dorm, but it's because God, Harbinate, forever, it's because God has a purpose and a real responsibility that he wants you to embrace. And maybe you're in Village A or in a townhome or in a rupe, and I believe God has placed you there with a purpose. Maybe you're wondering, as, as Isaac said in the opening, Kyle, that's such a weird name. Where does it come from? Are you a fraternity? So Chi Alpha, it comes from the Greek, um, so the Greek letters XA, and it stands for Christo Apostoli, which means Christ Ambassadors. And that's where we get our identity from, that God wants us to be a part of the work that he's doing. And this is how we live it out. We live it out with our friends, with the people in our dorms, with the people in our classes. We have a life group that meets twice a month and goes into the city and serves the homeless and partners with local organizations that are working on social justice issues and serving the poor. We go on missions trips throughout DC to Haiti to New York City. 
And we believe that it is our call to live out this mission of being Christ ambassadors, both here at Georgetown and globally. Because God doesn't want what's happened in your life, what he's done in your life, to end with you. So Johanne, the one who got married in the picture, she was the one who told Kim about Jesus. She's the one who met with Kim every week, and they read scripture together, and they prayed together. And this past week, Kim started work as a fourth grade teacher at a Catholic school on the south side of Chicago. And she said, I know it's my purpose to be able to teach these kids about Jesus, to be able to teach them how to make disciples and how to do small groups and how to live out this mission. And Kim gets it. Kim realizes that that's our calling, that to whom much is given, much is required. And if we look at these disciples for a minute, because they answered the call, because they offered to follow Jesus, they were able to make history. And I imagine him, them, this isn't in the Bible, this is just my thoughts. 20, 30 years later, they all got together, sitting on the roofs, drinking some good tea, and wondering what their lives would have been like. Remembering back to the day when Jesus called them for the first time. Remembering that they just smelled like fish, that their hands had calluses on them for working so hard, that they had no education. And then Jesus came into their lives, and they were never the same again. Jesus used them to transform the world. Can you believe what we would have missed out on if we had said no to that? And then here's the thing. We see later on in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark 10, that Jesus gave the same invitation to another man. We never get to know this man's name. We simply know him as the rich young ruler because of the way he responded. He had the same invitation. Jesus said, come and follow me. But he had all the riches and luxuries of the world, and he wasn't sure if he could give that up. So as he weighed it all, he turned down the invitation. He regretfully declined. And I wonder about him. What did he think 20, 30 years later when he was sitting on probably his much better roof, drinking much better tea, surrounded by all the riches that he could want, but feeling very alone, and seeing what the disciples had done and wondering, replaying that scene over and over where Jesus invited him to follow him, and he said no. And he was just left in the end with his piles of money. He realized that it was all meaningless. And I think what would have happened in my life if I had came to college, and if I had completely turned down this opportunity, not just to be, to have a group of friends, though I think you'll find that here, and not just to make friends that will maybe one day be in your weddings, so that's happened. What if I had turned down this opportunity to fall in love with Jesus? My life would have been dramatically different. You guys are all welcome here. This is a place of grace. This is a place to ask questions. This is a place, whether you know Jesus a little bit, a lot, or not at all, this is a good place for you. 
And we don't know your stories in here, but we want to. And I wish you could say that if you accept this invitation to follow Jesus in community with us, then things are going to be really happy. But community is very messy. This one is no exception to that. We will disappoint you. We will fail you. But Jesus is the one that is extending this invitation to us, to real devotional life, to real community, to real responsibility. And we have this opportunity to respect or to accept that or to regretfully decline that. Let's see, do we have time for a question? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This will be our first and last question. Went so. long today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> what does responding to Christ's invitation um, to drop everything like the disciples look like in the day-to-day -day life of a Georgetown mm. student? That is a really great question because I didn't uh, end up including this tonight. But in the context of today's world, if any of my Chi Alpha leaders came to me and said that they were going to drop out of school and give away all the possessions and follow somebody, it would have a lot to say about that and it wouldn't be very good. Um, but I think knowing this Jesus and seeing what he's done in our lives, I think what that looks like at Georgetown is not completely neglecting our schoolwork. I think God has placed us here, like I said, for a purpose and so that we can, we can follow him on this campus and that includes going to classes and doing a good job and trying hard here. But I think it's a matter of placing God at the center of our lives. I think laying down or dropping our nets, to use that language, is just saying that we're surrendering the things that we have, our academics, our reputation, our clubs, these other things that we try so hard to make a part of our identity, surrendering those in favor of allowing Christ to determine our identity and keeping all other things um, flowing from that idea. Yeah, that answers the question. So we're gonna, we're gonna transition into a time of worship right now. How this works here, you can sit, you can stand, you can do whatever you would like. All that um, we say is just, you know, connect with God. If you would like prayer at any time, there are the people in the red name tags, they would really love to pray for you. And we're going to do three songs, and after the second song, Isaac's going to come up and kind of lead us in a little bit of a, a prayer time, um, pray over all of us. And then after that, uh, we'll close the service, just so everybody has kind of an idea of what's happening. But um, I'm just going to close us in a quick prayer, and then Will, who, um, he's my favorite Irish worship leader from Ireland, um, he is going, more on him later. He's going to lead us in a few songs. So Do you know can... a lot of Irish worship leaders, uh, Bonnie? Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite Irish. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Favorite worship leader, maybe. Okay, thank yeah. you. Besides Joanne, as is really good. <laughs> um, God, thank you so much for speaking to us tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that the great thing about Chi Alpha is that for some of us, this message is a reminder. And for some of us, this is the very first time we have heard an invitation like this in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that during this time of worship, that we would have an opportunity to respond to this relationship that you're offering us and respond to this invitation that you've given us. And I just lift up this time of worship to you. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>